Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to the Monday episode of Let's Ride. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It is Monday morning. You're probably hearing this around noon on Monday or maybe later. I'm all jacked up on adrenaline, caffeine, and very little sleep, thanks to my kids. But still, here's the deal. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 6-0, and and my God goodness, does that feel great? I have never experienced this in my life. I'm a 37-year-old man. I've been the editor of this website in some way, shape, or form for the past six or seven seasons. I've lost track at this point. I think six, but still never have I experienced this type of success from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I, I honestly, I'm more excited now than I was last week. Last week, the Monday show was, I, I enjoyed it, thought it was a good show. They come off that 38-7 to win over the Browns, and you're like, oh, wow, this is great. Boy, what a great performance. They finally did it. They finally put together four quarters, and then they go out and they look so dominant in the early goings of that game against the Tennessee Titans. They, We all know how it finishes, 27-24. Steelers are victorious, but my gosh, they're 6-0. and And then there was one. That's right, in case you didn't know or in case you didn't think about it or in case you didn't find out, I'm sure you have by now, the Seattle Seahawks lose on Sunday Night Football. They were undefeated, no more. Lost to the Arizona Cardinals in overtime. The Pittsburgh Steelers beat the previously undefeated Tennessee Titans, and they are the only undefeated team in the National Football League heading into Week 8. That's right, the only undefeated team. Now, I wrote the article for the website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You can check it out. I don't think that the 1972 Dolphins are in any way, shape, or form threatened by the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a really tough set of games coming up, and it's not just next week in Baltimore. It's a couple games. You know, you think about the Sunday Nighter in Buffalo is going to be a challenge. You think about the Indianapolis Colts on Week 16. You think about a lot of these games. They still have a lot of division games, Thanksgiving night. In Pittsburgh, Thursday night football, that's going to be a tough game because Baltimore is, well, they're they're Baltimore. But right now, Steeler fans, it doesn't matter. Right now, next week doesn't matter because right now, the Steelers are perfect. The Steelers are perfect. And can we, can we nitpick? <laughs> yeah. Yes, and we will. We will nitpick. Oh, yeah, we will. But at the same time, right now, they are perfect. They're perfect. They're 6-0. and oh, My God. Gosh, that's so much fun. I I love this time. I love when the Steelers are winning because for me at least, I guess maybe because I live in Maryland and I'm surrounded by purple and black all the time, you're able to walk around and flash the colors and just have a little bit of a swagger to you, you know? You're able to just have that Ike Taylor swag about yourself. You know, you wrap the terrible towel around, towel around your face Go into the grocery store and just be like, look at me now, 6-0, and all you Ravens fans, what's up? That's what, it's all, that's what it's all about. But what this podcast episode is about is about how the Steelers, despite being perfect, despite winning six games in a row and beating two really good teams in the last two weeks, let's not forget that, and the Cleveland Browns and now the Tennessee Titans, they are still a work in progress. That's obvious. It's glaring at times. They are still a work in progress. 
I think that a lot of this, you know, there's the Steelers sometimes, you know, we think about this game and I think about the fan reaction. I do the post game podcast. You haven't checked that out. Please do. There's two parts on our audio platforms. Uh, Part one, we talk about offense. And then part two, we talk about defense and we give out grades and game balls and stuff like that. So make sure you check those out. But during that time when we're live on YouTube, you get this live chat. If you've ever joined us on YouTube, go to youtube.com and search BTSC Steelers Radio. Subscribe to the channel. And it's it's honestly, it's a great community. It's a phenomenal community there. There are some people that never miss a show. All our afternoon shows are live on YouTube. And you can communicate with these fans through this live chat. And it was crazy to me how even after this win, 27 to 24, I know Goskowski misses the 46, 45, 46 yarder to basically seal the win, bring out the victory formation. They were kind of down on the team. They were kind of down on the team. And I get it. I really do. I get it. But a part of me thinks that this is just a matter of it's the last thing that you remember. It's the last thing that you see. It's a reaction. Think about games that have already happened this season, which were indicative of one way or the other. Let me explain. Go back to the Denver Broncos game at home, first home game of the season. The Steelers, what everyone thought was going to blow them out, Jeff Driscoll brings them back. They barely hang on to win. Fans were not happy after that game because they just felt that, you know, you you knock out Drew Locke, you think you're going to be able to just walk to a cake win, and that didn't happen. That didn't happen. And so a lot of fans were down. They were like, this is not what we want to see from the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's not what we expect from the Pittsburgh Steelers. But fast forward then to week three, Houston at home. First half, the defense looks like garbage. Deshaun Watson carving them up in every sense of the word, carving them up. Second half, Steelers shut them down, literally shut them down. And then after that game, well, there was a lot of enthusiasm because it was the last thing that you saw. So I want you to think back to yourself. What were your feelings on the Steelers in week seven at halftime? Now, I'm going to talk about the end of the half in in the second segment when I go over my winners and losers. But going into halftime, the Steelers were up 24 to seven. They were dominating the Tennessee Titans. The, The Titans defense had no answer for the Steelers, especially on third down. None. What were you feeling at that time? I know what I was feeling. I was feeling like this is incredible. I I predicted the Steelers to win. I predicted the Steelers to win 34 to 24. But at the same time, and I was close. If they just scored one more touchdown, I would have gotten it right on the nose. But I'm thinking about how this Steelers team looks tremendous against a really good Tennessee Titans team. Let's not take anything away from Tennessee. They are a good team and a really good offense, by the way. But still, think about the way you felt at halftime. Okay? So what you see there, in my opinion, is the Steelers' potential in the first half, especially offensively. And then we know what happens in the second half. Defense is on the field more than the offense. The offense can't get anything going. They kind of, the halftime adjustments, again, we'll talk about this in the second segment when we kind of dissect the winners and losers. Then you finish the game. You only score three points in the second half. You cling to a win, even though you did lose the turnover battle. You gave it away three times and didn't take it away. You're still able to come away with a win. You're left with a weird taste in your mouth. You're left with a taste like, what? what is this? Like, I, don't, I just don't, ugh. 
It's kind of gross. I get it. It's kind of gross, but it's still a win. And by the way, a quick aside, my gosh, we said this in the post game and Dave Schofield brought it up and I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate exactly what he said. The Pittsburgh Steelers went and played another undefeated team on the road. They were minus three in the turnover margin and they still won the game. You might get away with that when you're playing a, a crap team. Think about some of the bad teams like the Jets, uh, the Bengals. Even though the Bengals are competitive, they're still only one, they've only won one game. My gosh, you did that against the 5-0 and Titans in their house. You don't want to have to rely on winning that way, but you proved you can win that way. So the Steelers are a work in progress. They are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. That is obvious. But can they put it all together? I mean, think about this. What if they were able to take the first half in Tennessee and put four quarters of that together? Think about that. Think about that. That is scary good football. That is scary good football. I don't care who they're playing, and I don't care where they're playing it. Scary good. Let's rewind the tape. Let's go back to last Tuesday, Mike Tomlin's press conference. Okay, this is coming off the Browns win, preparing for the Titans. He was asked by Dale Lolly, what do you think defines a complete football team? That was the question. And he gave a really detailed answer. I loved it. Sometimes he brushes these type of questions off and just, well, you know, you got to win the games, blah, blah, blah. He listened to what he said. And I want you to mentally in your head, think to yourself, do the Steelers, can you check off all these boxes in terms of a complete football team? All right, you all ready? Let's do it. The first thing Mike Tomlin said was winning in many ways. You have to be able to prove that you can win in many ways. (laughs) In my opinion, check. Check it off. They've won with defense. They've won with offense. They've come from behind. They've had to hold a lead. They've played, they've won ugly a bunch. They have proven they can win in many ways. Check that box. Next, he said, you have to have depth. You have to have quality depth across the board because or else you're going to be, if you don't have depth, well, that's a major concern. Let's look at it. You look at players like Robert Spillane. I thought he played a good game. I want to talk about Robert Spillane or as they call him in the locker room, Spilly. Talk about Spilly in the second segment. But you look at also the the injuries to Deontay Johnson early in the season. Has the wide receiving core been exposed? No. Think about David DeCastro's injury. Kevin Dotson comes in. Did they miss a beat? No. Think about, I mean, it's, you could go across the board here. I mean, any, any place that they've had injuries, the Steelers have been able to fill in nicely. So do they have the depth? Check the box. Check it because, yes, Okay, the next one. He said, you have to have a high floor. You have to be a team that the floor, which is the lowest part of a room, obviously, is still really high. So when you play your worst, it's still good enough to win. Yeah, I I think that I think that is 100%. Look at the way they played in the second half against Tennessee. That would probably be their floor. Offense couldn't generate anything, struggling on third downs, couldn't possess the football turning it over defensively on the field a lot. We're giving up a little bit more than they wanted. We're not getting home necessarily on Ryan Tannehill. We're giving up points. That's a high floor. You still win the football game. Check. You got to have some level of consistency. Now, this might be the one area 
that if I'm leaving a checkbox unchecked, it's this one. This might be the one area. And I say that because even though they've won all of their games, and you cannot gripe and moan about that, even though they've won all of their games, I think that the consistency level could be better in terms of, I think that most Steeler fans would say, you know, if they don't blow the Titans doors off in the first half, but have a little bit more of a consistent offensive output for four quarters, that might be a little bit better than having the severe up and then the severe down. So the defense as well has proven that they have are ups and downs, but people forget. And I, I forget this as well. I'm guilty of it as much as any other fan that's out there watching this football team every single week. And that is that this, this we cannot stress enough how crazy this season was with no offseason workouts and no preseason. So they're six games in by now. So most teams have kind of hit their stride or they're starting to. I do think that the Steelers are starting to hit their stride. I really do. But at the same time, there are still kinks to be worked out. You could look at the top teams across the league. So we're talking Pittsburgh. We're talking Kansas City. We're talking Baltimore, Green Bay. Seattle, Tampa Bay, especially now with them acquiring Antonio Brown. You talk about all these teams that are considered the elite in the National Football League. You want to throw Buffalo in there? I don't care. I mean, go across the board. Every single one of them has had major bumps in the road. Pittsburgh is just the only one that those bumps in the road haven't equated to a loss. That's it. That is it. So consistency could be better. But that's the only one because he went on to say they're a tough team to beat. That's the final. That was the final thing, the the final characteristic or category that Mike Tomlin said on last Tuesday in regards to a complete football team in that they're tough to beat, meaning they don't beat themselves. They're not highly penalized. They don't turn the football over. And up until Sunday, they had done just that. There were some penalties. Uh, I'm not going to get into the officiating too much because I thought it was awful. but. They turn the football over, can't complain about that. I would say you check that box. So what what is this saying? What are we saying here? It's saying that by Mike Tomlin's criteria that he laid out last Tuesday, the this Pittsburgh Steelers team is a complete team. Now, I said on Twitter this morning, I was up early at the gym, and I got back and I kept on thinking to myself, I was watching NFL primetime. Okay, ESPN Plus, I get it, and I watch it because I love I love, uh, you know, Boomer and his his crazy sayings, whoop, and all that stuff. I, I just, I just, it brings me back to my childhood of watching him uh, do that. Oh, my gosh. That's why I play that music on my pick segment, by the way. Anyway, so I'm watching it, and Booger McFarlane does it with uh, Chris Berman now. And he said that this is Booger McFarlane and Chris Berman both said that they think that the Steelers are the most complete team in the National Football League right now. And I was like, wow, man. That's crazy. Like that that's crazy to think because no one suggested that coming into the season. No one. Kansas City would have been the team that people said. Baltimore would have been the team that people said. No one thought that Pittsburgh would be considered the most complete team. And Booger McFarland talked about the playmakers on defense, the offense which when they're clicking are almost impossible to defend. And then they even brought up special teams with Ray Ray McLeod and the return game and he's close to breaking one off. So I think I, I put it out on Twitter. I said, okay, I got back from the gym. Let's, I watched the segment. Let's put it out there. And so far, uh, by the time that this was recorded, we've had a good many votes on this. And I was surprised. And I, I did retweet it with the behind the steel curtain account. Uh, but still, 
it was a situation where I was like, I just want to get a feel for the fan base here. So, so far, let me check it out. Here we go. We have just about just shy of 700 votes, and it hasn't been up that long. 66% of the fan base says absolutely the Steelers are the most complete team in the NFL with 34% saying no way. So go back to that criteria that we went over with Mike Tomlin. Fans agree. I, I agree with the fans. I think they are a very complete football team. Are they still a work in progress? Yes, of course they are. They are a work in progress. But at the same time, I think that this team can hang with anyone. I think this team can hang with anyone. Absolutely can hang with anyone in any place too. That's another key factor here. I'm really excited for week eight because I want to see how the Steelers do going into M&T Bank Stadium, a place they have not really played well in that stadium's history. And how do they do against a Baltimore Ravens team coming off a bye week? That's going to tell me if they can take their game on the road in that hostile environment and win that game, Holy cow, baby. 7-0 would never feel so good, period. Would never feel so good. Oh, there's so much to disseminate from this game and this team, and there's it's it's so exciting. I know that you as fans are listening to this. You're excited as, as much as I am. I ask you to do just one thing. Just take it all in. You know? Take it all in. It's not perfect. They are a work in progress, but take it all in and enjoy every second of it. If they lose this Sunday in week eight, so be it. But enjoy the 6-0 and while you got the 6-0, and if you know what I mean. You know what I mean, Mean Gene, as Hulk Hogan? Let me tell you something, Mean Gene, as Hulk Hogan used to say. Look, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back off the break, we're going to do winners and losers like we always do on Monday. And I've got a special message for the fan base at the very end of the show. So stick around. We'll be right back. I got some winners. We got some losers. We got both. Stick around. We'll be right back. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to part two or segment two, whatever you want to call it, of the Let's Ride Monday. It's another Victory Monday. I love these Victory Mondays. And we have what we always do in the second segment of our Monday podcast is we go over winners and losers. Winners and losers is an article I actually write for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And what I do is I just kind of expound on this because sometimes when I'm writing an article and you get an article that's close to a thousand words, it's a lot. So sometimes the written word and spoken word can be two completely different things. So we're going to do this. We're going to dive in. I have eight winners and four losers, and then a little special message at the end here. So eight winners. Let's do the winners first. My first winner in this game was Deontay Johnson. Johnson comes off of a week off after a back injury, had him out against the Cleveland Browns. His stat line, nine receptions, 80 yards, 8.9 average. Two touchdowns. He had a long of 14 on 15 targets. It was great to see Deontay Johnson back because it just makes the offense that more dynamic and that more dangerous. It's nothing against James Washington. It's nothing against Chase Claypool. And it's definitely nothing against Juju Smith-Schuster. What this is, is just you are literally developing and creating a pick-your-poison dominant offensive unit. That's exactly what this is. And when Deontay Johnson is out on the field, whether he is catching the football or not, he is getting attention. 
he's going to get more attention than someone like James Washington is going to get. And so I think a lot of fans, and I had someone mention it, hit me up on Twitter and said, what's up with James Washington only getting 16 snaps or something along those lines? And I said, someone's got to lose their snap towns. I mean, when Deontay Johnson comes back, someone's going to have to lose their snaps because you don't run a lot of four wide receiver sets in Pittsburgh. And if they do, they're going to use someone like Eric Ebron at times as another receiving option. It's just, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so the Steelers, Deontay Johnson was the hot hand. He scores twice. Great return game from him in terms of coming back off the injury. He definitely makes the winner list. Next winner, Juju Smith-Schuster. Stat line, nine catches, 85 yards, 9.4 average. He did not score a touchdown. He had a long of 28, 14 targets. He would have been my top winner if he was able to haul in that. It would have been the game-sealing touchdown. It was a tough play. I'm sure Juju Smith-Schuster would tell you that I should have caught the, he should have caught the football because he had his hands on it. Tough play, Roethlisberger. He has to deliver that ball a little bit higher. I did not mind the decision. People are mad at Roethlisberger because of the result. Don't fault the decision based on the result. And so what I mean by that is the decision itself was he saw Juju Smith-Schuster on a post route with a linebacker on him in a trail position. Well, what does that mean? It means that he's looking at the back of the linebacker. The linebacker's not even looking at the ball. He has to just put that ball higher. That's a play where most quarterbacks would say, I have to throw where only my guy can get it. Instead, the ball is a little bit low. Smith-Schuster has to go around the defender's helmet to catch it. He had his hands on it. The ball gets popped up in the air and picked off. That is literally the worst case scenario. But in terms of decision-making, yeah, we can go back and see that Deontay Johnson was open underneath, and that was the smarter play. But at the same time, Roethlisberger went for the jugular. If Juju Smith-Schuster comes down with that, no one is complaining about the decision. So let's not Monday morning quarterback this thing. Juju Smith-Schuster also just outside of that play had a great game. He looked like it looked like he's starting to find his role in this offense. And that's really important. His role in this offense is different than what it's been in the other offenses. So Juju Smith-Schuster, when he had Antonio Brown opposite him, was able to do things that he's not going to be able to do right now. This offense is different. This wide receiving core is different. He's starting to find his niche and his groove. I think that's exciting, and Steeler fans should be excited for it. My next winner is Ray Ray McLeod. Three punt returns, 83 yards, 27.7 average, and a 57-yard long. Ray Ray McLeod. Holy cow. This guy's going to break one. And I love him. Brian Anthony Davis and I did the post game. Uh, the last time he almost broke a punt return, we were Ray, 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 Ray. You're yelling Ray, Ray at the TV. I feel like this punt return, if he would have been, he didn't see, um, I think it's Pierre was coming on his right side to block. If he would have just stopped and cut to his right, I think he would have been gone hitting the pay dirt, but instead he gets tackled still 57 yard long. This guy is turning into a very dynamic punt returner and notice by the way, he was returning punts in a game where Deontay Johnson was healthy. So Deontay Johnson was healthy enough to be back there and catching passes, catch, caught two touchdowns. They still put Ray Ray McLeod out there. That is a, that's a promotion for him. He was just the kickoff guy. Now he's the, he's the return guy. Huge pickup. You cannot stress enough that he was left on the scrap heap. <laughs> Literally, he was just cut. The Bills just said, we don't need this guy anymore. And he's making plays. Good for him. Ray Ray McLeod's a winner. Next winner, James Conner. 20 carries, 82 yards, 4.1 average. Didn't have a touchdown, 
should have had a touchdown receiving touchdown. Didn't 24 yard long run. This game was a game where Connor was running. Well, he was decisive with his cuts, seeing the blocker, seeing the holes. Well, like Dave Schofield said, he should have had over 90 yards, but Roethlisberger had that weird play where he flipped it backwards to Connor that actually goes as a lateral and a run, not a pass, not a completion. So because of that, Connor's stat line gets hurt a little bit, but Connor, I thought that was his best performance of the season, possibly. Maybe man, he played well last week against Cleveland, but the thing about Connor is that they didn't, they, they kind of got away from the run in the second half. I'm not sure why they did that. But kudos to him. James Connor is looking really, really good. 20 carries, 82 yards. I want to see them mix it up a little bit. I want to see them get some other running backs more involved. When you look at the stat line, Benny Snell only had like two carries. Anthony McFarland saw time sparingly. Jalen Samuels had a nice run for a first down. But still, you want Connor to be available for 16 games. You're going to have to spell him from on occasion. But still, James Connor, one of the most underrated things that he does is blitz pickup. He's great in pass protection. He has proven he's an every down back. James Conner is a winner after this week. My next winner, Vince Williams. Stat line, 10 tackles, led the team. Nine solo tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, one quarterback hit. This was a game where you kind of got a feeling, you kind of knew Vince Williams was going to come to play, and he was going to make it very personal. It's him versus Derrick Henry. Now, it wasn't necessarily Vince Williams versus Derrick Henry, not in the, the literal sense. But Vince Williams, you knew that he was going to come into this game wanting to make a statement, and he did. He stood tall, made great plays. He tattooed Ryan Tannehill completely clean. Those are the hits that quarterbacks remember. Those are the ones that quarterbacks will feel for a long time, and they'll make maybe second guess deciding to tuck the ball and trying to spin out of a tackle. Kudos to Vince Williams. I thought he played a great game. Great game. Robert Spillane is my next winner. Spilly. Spilly, he only had three tackles, two solos, but I wrote in the article he had one legendary play. One legendary play. Robert Spillane's NFL career, if it ended today, and he's gone and we're gone and working construction, or as Blake Bortles would say, he's working construction and ripping cigs. If he's gone working construction for the rest of his life, he will always have the play where it was week seven in Nashville, undefeated versus undefeated, Derrick Henry gets the ball in the hole, Spillane fills, and he stops him cold in his tracks. I don't care that the Tennessee Titans ended up scoring on that drive. I don't care that Minka Fitzpatrick was called for defensive holding, all that other stuff that went, play, went down. He will always have that play. Not many defenders can say they met Derrick Henry in the hole, head-on, one-on-one, old school Oklahoma drill style football. And he went backwards. He being Derrick Henry, not he being Spilly Robert Spillane. And my gosh, I had to write an article about this for the website because the, his teammates were, Oh my gosh. After the game on social media, we're so happy for this guy. They were retweeting that hit and just, it was hysterical and awesome. All at the same time, Robert Spillane, like I said, one, legendary play and that gets you on the winner's list for me next is a guy that's been the, the whipping boy for the Steelers fan base for a long time Terrell Edmonds finishes with two tackles two solo two pass defenses now he didn't intercept a pass or didn't have a gigantic play but I noticed Terrell Edmonds for the positive things he was doing on the field on Sunday this is a almost a 180 from what we're used to seeing with Edmonds where when you notice him it's because he's giving up a pass play. He's missing a tackle. 
That's really not the case with him this year. He's playing some really good football, very sound, technically sound, good tackling, better in coverage. Terrell Edmonds finds his way on the winner's list. And my last winner is none other than TJ Watt. Honestly, Watt played a great game, really underrated, I think. And when you when you think about the overall scope of the game, listen to this stat line. Five tackles, four of them were solo. He had a sack, three tackles for loss. He had a quarterback hit and a pass defense. That's insane. That is what a game for TJ Watt. This is one of those games where just low-key, He's he was living in the backfield. Derrick Henry is going to remember the day that he played against TJ Watt because TJ Watt was just on him like that. Like there's so many plays where he helped neutralize Derrick Henry and those three tackle for losses were huge. TJ Watt, again, I could probably put him on this list every week, but this week he really, really earned it. Let's go to the other side of the docket here. This is the losers. I have four losers here. All right, four losers. Hate to say it, but my first loser is none other than quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. The stat line of 32 for 49, 268 yards. That's okay. Five and a half average, threw for two touchdowns, but three picks, 67.4 rating. I know that not all of these were really on Roethlisberger, but I don't know if it was Roethlisberger or Feetner. The decision to get away from the run when you had a lead, and you're running the ball well. Like I said earlier, I mean, you look at James Conner was averaging 4.1 yards a carry, and you just you're throwing it 49 times to just like 20 some. I, I wasn't that keen on that. It, it just was an ugly game. Ah, just, there's certain things that bothered me about this. A lot of people will say that this is a little harsh putting Ben in the losers category because they did win the game, but I think we all expect Ben to play a cleaner brand of football. Three picks isn't good enough, and a lot of those, a lot of this just me having this weird vibe about Ben coming off this game is with our next loser. And that is the sequence at the end of the first half. No, this is not an individual player, but this is something that bothered me and has bothered me to this day. So think about what happened. The sequence of events, the Titans have the ball. They're trying to add to their point total. The Steelers defense stops them. Mike Tomlin calls timeout and the Titans are forced to punt. The punter drops the football. Remember, he throws, tries to complete a pass. It falls incomplete. They get flagged for an uh, ineligible receiver downfield and turnover on downs. So the Steelers take over, and you're thinking, okay, they're they're almost already in field goal range. They're going to be able to add some points before halftime because the Titans get the ball in the third quarter. First play, I think, throws everything off. Eric Ebron, false start. So now instead of a first and 10, you're looking at first and 15. I still felt with 14 seconds left that the Steelers could have managed to work the work a pass underneath and still set up a field goal. But for some reason, and Roethlisberger made it sound like after the game that the Steelers were just basically saying, we're just going to go, we're going to take some shots. We're going to take a shot or two at the end zone. Roethlisberger throws a pick and you just got this really strange vibe of the way that that end of the half happened and the way it went down. Not very good. There's a first interception. And it kind of gave, I think it gave the Titans some hope. It gave the Titans some hope defensively when they should have had none. They were beat down the entire half. They should not have had any confidence, not have had any hope. And yet that gave them a little bit of life. The next loser, second half adjustments. The Steelers offense only scored three points in the second half. So maybe you give credit to where credit's due on the defense for the Tennessee Titans. Mike Vrabel's not an idiot. He knows what he's doing. He was a quality player and he's a quality coach. 
So kudos to the Titans for changing things up, but I'm not giving any kudos to the Steelers for not adjusting on the fly either. You don't have a bunch of rookies out there. Yeah, Claypool's a rookie, but other than that, that's a veteran group. Okay, so whatever they're doing, you got to counter. See, maybe the Steelers came out and said, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Well, that's dumb, number one. Because in the NFL, you're always going to have to adjust. You're always going to have to make adjustments. And it just seemed like the Steelers' adjustments that they made, not only were they ineffective, they just, they boy, they lacked any type of oomph. That's the best way I can put it. I mean, the offense, they were controlling the ball at times, and they controlled it when they had to. That last drive that ended in an interception that was intended for Juju Smith-Schuster was a long, time-consuming drive. So even though that didn't equate to points, which could have sealed the win, that played a huge role in this game because the Titans didn't have as much time and then they had to settle for that field goal, which was missed by Goskowski, and they end up winning the game. But the second half adjustments, not very good. And the last loser, boy, this was a game with dumb luck. I mean, the Steelers, I was talking to my buddy, good friend of mine. He's a, he's a Raven season ticket holder. I saw him, I was leaving the gym. He goes, I tell you what, the Steelers get so lucky. Every bounce goes their way. I said, clearly, you did not watch this game. He said, I watched it. I watched it. I said, now how can you say that? You think about that fluky completion, which gets tipped in the air. You're thinking it's going to get picked off. The Titans player, don't even know the receiver's name, comes down with it. You think about the Ryan Tannehill fumble that they ruled that he was down. Who knows if there was a clear recovery there. You think about the Juju Smith-Schuster uh, play that we've I've diagrammed now multiple times that interception to in the fourth quarter you think about the tip pass it goes up in the air that a lot of times those balls just land on the ground it gets picked off you could go on and on about these bad bounces calls that just didn't seem to go the Steelers way it was one of those games it was one of those games that's part of the game of football is that sometimes you just have those bad bounces and that's just a part of it but you know what the Steelers were able to overcome I'm still not happy about all that stuff but the Steelers were able to overcome. So that's our winners and losers segment. Let's finish things up here appropriately. All right. I'm, I'm, running, I'm running a little long. My apologies. I think the Steelers fan base will understand. Hope you don't mind. Mike Tomlin. There's a lot of people that don't like this guy. There's a lot of people that want to find issue with Tomlin for whatever reason, for his maybe his time management or for losing to inferior teams. That's fine. Everyone has a right to criticize the head coach of an NFL team for not making the playoffs the last two years, for folding like a cheap lawn chair down the stretch last year. You can do that. That's fine. But my gosh, if you're going to criticize him for the bad, you got to give him props for the good. I've always believed that. If you're going to criticize someone for the negative, you got to give them props for the positive. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are 6-0, and and while Roethlisberger is getting heaps of credit, the defense is getting heaps of credit, we need to give Mike Tomlin some credit too because he and Kevin Colbert have put together a veteran team that they knew would be okay and ready to go coming off of this really strange preseason with no workouts, with no preseason. They've done a tremendous job, a tremendous job with this roster. I cannot stress enough how good of a job they've done with this roster and with credits that's to Mike Tomlin and his staff, they are playing inspired football, but they're just playing really, really good football, really good football. So Mike Tomlin, credit to him. It's crazy to think it, but they only need two more wins to lock up another winning, non-losing season for Mike Tomlin. And I, I think we're all pretty, 
safe because they still play uh, two NFC East teams. There's a good chance that happens there. But I want to make that point. If we're going to criticize Tomlin for all the negatives, we got to give him props for the positives. So kudos to Mike Tomlin, 6-0 start. Can't ask for anything more. You really can't. Anything that you do ask for more is considered nitpicking, in my opinion. And we can nitpick. That's what is fun about these podcasts. But when it comes down to brass tacks, it's wins and losses. The Steelers have six wins and zero losses. Man, that's exciting to talk about. I really appreciate you hanging in with me on this Monday podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I hope that you stay tuned to all of our content on this podcast platform. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure you follow us. Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Pandora, Spotify, you name it. Follow us so you don't miss a thing. And as always, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm Jeff Hartman, co-editor of said website. In the meantime, folks, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Steelers are 6-0. Enjoy it. We'll see you on Wednesday. Take it easy.